0: Ready?
1: Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. I'm Rob Nichols. And I'm new Every week we get together, hang out, listen to some great tunes. Dude, how you doing?
0: I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm drinking my LaCroix, hatching some Pokemon eggs, getting my game on. I don't know what game on to get. Because I need to really decide on one for the weekend. <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet? Well, well, I'm doing okay. I've like been
1: getting I've been getting into the Witness, so I'm going to suggest the Witness. It's a it's, it's really good.
0: Oh, you ended up getting it.
1: Yeah, I got that. And um, actually, on Monday night, I made myself sick playing that game because I I don't know what's going on. Sometimes, so, so all of a sudden, I'm getting motion sick from playing first-person games.
0: That's weird. Maybe, are you used to playing with, maybe it's because of the TV, the way you have the TV set up?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a larger TV, and, and um, I'm closer to the TV in the new house. And also, I just don't play those games. Uh ah, <laughs> that's Because a... it that happens. Yeah, I made myself sick, but that's, that's all right.
0: Hopefully, it's something you can get, just adjust to from playing enough. You're like, okay. I'm...
1: I think so. I really like the puzzles. So if you want to give it a shot sometime, it's, it's definitely, de- it's a beautiful game, and, and the puzzles are really cool. In that case,
0: it may have to happen. Because right now, I have a... Uh, Still have my Mega Ten to play if I want to get on that. Um, I picked up Titanfall Two. Usually FPSs aren't my cup of tea, but hey, I like the idea of being piloting like a giant mech. Yeah, yeah. And people were telling me that the campaign goes beyond what typical FPS shooters will do, like as far as level design and enemy layout and things like that. So I was like, hey, worth a shot. And so far, I think it's pretty sweet. Uh, I don't regret the purchase at all. Skylanders, on the other hand. I no, you didn't. Up. You I, didn't. I, I,
1: I, I, oh. I broke. I broke like a. No, there's, there's, no, there's no judgment here. That's fine. <laughs> it's, My
0: wall is doing all the judging I need. <laughs> <laughs> it's a painful,
1: painful thing, but I play those too. Um, I've also been playing, of course, a lot more Street Fighter. I finally ranked into silver. So look out. That's a huge. Uh, I, I could not figure out how to get out of the bronze ranks. So now I'm out in silver, scrubbing it up. But they gotta be careful because I remember correctly with those you can drop rank back to bronze. Oh man! And one day I got like right up to it and then dropped all the way back down to rookie. Like it just happens, Ugh. and like I am getting all pissed off and and um, yeah. So, but no, I am I am becoming my my proficiency is at a certain level now that I am not as angry. Like I see what's wrong and I see what I need to learn and what I can work on, and so I am not I am I am working towards. You know, competency. That's a good way to feel. then. basically, you worry about
0: you're good enough to catch yourself, and course correct your ability, your activities to advance properly. Yeah, and get and back it, to where you need to be. And
1: unlike Street Fighter Four, I'm picking a character that you Know is stronger <laughs> and the execution isn't as bad. I played Abel in Street Fighter 4. I will to say, no more grapple fest grappling is good, I really enjoyed it. But the um, so many of the combos in Street Fighter 4, particularly for Abel, his bread and butter combo was a one frame link. Um, god, so like I would get to a certain point and then I would just start losing because. I couldn't punish. I couldn't do combos consistently because I couldn't hit a button within one sixtieth of a second.
0: Actually, that makes me ask a question. Then, now I think about it. What's up? Now you're on the PS4 realm. Do Do you you see yourself jumping ship to some of the more recent,
1: more frantic fighters that are out there, like Blaze, Blue, Central Fiction? I, um, the new KOF, I'm really interested in. I've been, I've been a long time KOF fan, uh, King of Fighters. I do remember that. Yeah. I used to play a lot of them. Like I used to play so many different games. I want to focus on one because I only play so often. But um, but yeah, we should probably get into today's topic. We should. It's Rob's Street Fighter habit. That's <laughs> my <laughs> habit. Um, uh, Lacroix. It's all about Lacroix. Uh, fine by me. Um, actually, it's the PC Engine, aka Turbo Graphics sixteen. My baby. You love this thing. I don't. I, I've heard about this system. When I was younger, but I didn't really hardly know anything about it, and really didn't see any of the games. I actually, I gotta tell you, I've never actually played a Turbo Graphics game. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I, this will be a case where I can't, I can't be surprised because the system it released here, but I don't recall it releasing to much fanfare, and it kind of dropped before. I want to say before the Super Nintendo came out, and. Maybe slightly after the Genesis did.
1: Yeah, and in, in the states, in Japan, I believe it came out in about 1989, and it was very, very popular. Like it was one of the top. It was probably their top-selling console until, um, I think the the Super into the Super Famicom. Um, but how about um, I take say a little bit about the hardware for all you synthesizer nerds, so you know what to expect. Because we're only doing for this episode of the show, we're only doing the um, classic PC Engine TurboGrafx-16 music, which Hue uses cards. the Hue cards. The Hue card is like really tiny little media. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that later because there's some implications about the way they chose to use that media compared to like um, Nintendo, Okay, which I didn't even think about till later today. But on the audio hardware, so if you consider um, the baseline is going to be the, the Nintendo, right? So the Nintendo has four sound channels. It's got two square waves, one triangle wave and then a noise generator and then um the sampling like one sample like channel right um for the turbo graphics it has six channels oh right so it has six and they're all programmable waveforms so that means it's not limited to just the standard square wave or the triangle wave, or the sawtooth wave—they're all programmable. So that means that the composers can use whatever they wanted. Though most of the time, they just stuck to the standard square waves, um, or standard um, the standard waveforms. So that's really interesting. So you're going to hear, and, and it's—I uh, believe it's also a stereo. So we're going to hear a lot of noise. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of sound. It's going to sound like a bunch of Nintendos, kind of like playing at the same time. Um, the f- uh, first two channels. Um, are different, so the first, the second channel can modulate the first channel. So that means you can actually have an LFO on the first channel. Which, might not mean anything to you, but it means you can modulate um, like uh, um, Tremelo or vibrato onto the first channel.
0: Well, how about this? Let's say we kick into one yeah. of the tracks, get some a bit of a template down.
1: Yeah, let's see what if the can, sound is
0: like, and we can use that to.
1: Yeah, but see if we can um we can we can um pick out any of that information, and then we'll talk about the tracks too. So. Um, why don't you start us off? Because me? Because you are the Turbo Pro. Oh,
0: shucks. I <laughs> uh, all right, I can do that. Um, I know, Something that's not usual for me on this show, but I'm doing it today. I am picking a track from a foreign game that I have also never played. But it comes from... Yeah, I'll get to that. Anyway, the game itself is called Kaizu Chojin Shubibin man, (laughs) one. It is on the Turbo Graphics. It is written and composed by Koji Hayama, and the track is just called BGM One. All right.
1: Shubibin man. Oh no. Shubibin man. Shubibin. Oh Shubibin man. Shubibin man. (laughs) Love
0: that name. back you're listening to the track bgm1 from the game kaizo Chojin Shubibin man one from the turbografx 16 written and composed
1: by koji hayama this thing, this track is awesome like I, I love this song it sounds really good doesn't it? it sounds so good like there's there's like four different parts to it and it, it feels good this is a feel-good song what a way to start the show
0: thank you like it was a uh... Like, to give you some context on, like, why I would have picked that track, um, they actually have had releases from the series released in the States. And the second game, Shub- Shubiban Man 2, was released in America under the name Shockman, mm. And it was sold at Toys R Us, and I would walk by the game quite often before eventually convincing my mom to buy it for me. And the box art made it look a lot like a Mega Man-style game, like a charge buster shot, yeah. robot at humanoids, the works... So I was surprised, when it played nothing like Mega Man, except for the fact that you did have a charge shot. It is, it is side scrolling though, right? It is a side scroller. Uh, I don't know the story off the top of my head because it gets a little bit weird. But basically, you are a humanoid robot man who learns how to turn into a submarine and a ship and a spaceship.
1: <laughs> but and also, haven't we all learn how to do that. I'm still right. working on it. Oh, actually. Yourself. yeah. Well, I mean that's cool. We're all we're all learning as adults. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I've already put a hole in my floor. Trying to blast
0: off, it didn't quite take off. So, well. so,
1: so one thing um, here on this track is sampled drums, and um, which is pretty interesting because um, any channel can have audio streamed to it. So, between all six channels, which could be either pan left or right, can also have sampled audio streamed right into it. And the 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 amount of audio sampling and the the bit rate, the quality of the audio, is only limited by the actual CPU of the system. So um, there's no constraints like within the actual like sound hardware itself. So I thought that was really interesting. Have, this part right here, I love that snare. I'm imagining like a full band, like just getting down with that. So again, like- it's still like, you know, the traditional, like let's sample the drums and then use like, you know, like the, the other sound channels for everything else. But it just sounds so cool. That lead sounds like a, like a B, you know?
0: I'm not quite sure about the B, but I agree that it sounds freaking awesome. Yeah, it sounds great. Well, it's, it's, um, uh, but I mean, I guess, long story short, in regards to the, like, why I picked this track, is only because I guess like, maybe a year or two ago, I was trying to find music from Shockman because I was getting a little nostalgic for it. And then I could all, I was, everything I kept finding reverted to this bebon Man thing. I'm like, what the hell is that? I'm trying to find Shockman, And then lo and behold, there were two other games in the series. The third of which I actually played last weekend for the first time.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the third one was for the Super Nintendo? No, I think the third one actually was released on CD. Oh,
0: okay, right, the Turbo CD. May have been released on CD. But the first and second were Hugh Card releases. Ah. Uh, So, I mean, I guess it's it's a fun game series. The music, I think this track is better than any other music in the second game, so I had to go with this. Uh, This is really, really really, really
1: jamming. I'm going to go, I'll probably go out and take a listen to the other ones, but... Let's keep it going. Um, it's getting late in the evening, so I want to keep this up. We have coming up for you, the listeners, and you, Purnell. Oh, me too! A little, I'm going a little different here, um, a little bit more chill, and I'm going to ramp my tracks up um, in energy level. This is the tavern music from Dungeon Explorer by Tsukasa Masuko for the Graphics 16 This is the tavern music from the game Dungeon Explorer by Sukasa Masuko, and I, I picked this track because I love that little um, that little lick, that little theme. It's like da 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 da, 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 da. I feel like um, this is like uh, this is like the the channel in the hotel room that tells you like the local weather.
0: I guess it kind of fits the theme, too, because that's kind of how the tavern almost feels. You just kind of pop in choose your character.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, so there's my character. Hey, what's the weather like in the dungeon today? Mostly
0: mostly bloody with a side of death.
1: And... Okay, good, good, good. That's what, that's what I expected.
0: That's right. Yeah. But there is a high forecast of 60% chance of great treasure, to be found.
1: <laughs> I'll take those odds. <laughs> <laughs> they live depths with you. But I also chose this because I like the... Um, like it, it stacked up some of like those those sounds to sound almost like a guitar strumming, and then the um that lead has a really like '80s kind of feel to it. It's real smooth. It's like a really smooth kind of sound. I really, I really like it.
0: And this game definitely came out. I think like '87 or '88. So or unless I'm off, I could be.
1: Yeah, it's one of the earlier earlier releases, right?
0: Yeah, but it's a good one. Like it got released on the Wii actually too as a downloadable for folks who are into these sorts of things, but just don't happen to have a Turbo Graphics, but. We were, we were talking about it earlier, but Dungeon Explorer is basically the equivalent of a gauntlet game if it had more RPG elements and wasn't designed to kill your quarter count. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You choose a class of character, typical D&D style, a warrior, a wizard, a druid, yeah. a sage, a bard, all those things. And you essentially talk to townspeople. They tell you where things are happening. You Go to the dungeon, respectively, kill a bunch of monsters and a boss, and you keep moving while leveling up your guy with random items you find on the ground.
1: It's so interesting that like those those elements he talked about we associate now with Japanese RPGs, right? Yeah. But like when when those first RPGs were created like this one it's because they they were fans of American Dungeons and Dragons. Gary Gygax, baby. Which is amazing. So it's like it's come all the way around We're like now we expect our RPG is going to be like an open world and lots of narration a big big narrative and a big story and all sorts of stuff and then there's like the jrpgs like the personas and stuff like that where you know it's going to be grinding through a dungeon you know i'm going to choose fire against the ice type all that kind of stuff
0: it's kind of it's in a way it's, i kind of appreciated both perspectives because especially lately we're starting to get games that feel more like games that would exist in the D world some people don't like them though, because like a lot of Western RPGs still fit the D and D style. Oh, of absolutely. I'm just
1: I'm I'm sort of generalizing. No, 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 I'm, no, no. I'm I, really generalizing. No, no,
0: no. I trust me. I am in the same pool you're because yeah, 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 yeah. for a while the majority, if it, most people, a lot of people don't associate with PC, which is where most Western RPGs were making it for a long time. Most console role playing games were coming from Japan, and Japan went with the storytelling main characters already established parties already established and you just kind of fulfill a pretty straightforward plot yeah. but then as technology got better and western game developers started putting more games on console the console players started becoming more exposed to these open world games oh yeah where they give you a very basic plot to get you out but then stuff happens around you, and you're it's like, even though there's still story threads that exist throughout the world, every right. game person's gameplay is different than the next person.
1: It's almost like so a like turns. It's like a choose your own choose your own adventure within the bigger adventure. Exactly. So choose your next track. Hmm. For my next
0: adventure, your next adventure,
1: I do believe <laughs> I'm going to start breaking some heads. Ooh.
0: And with that, I'll do so with my own head, as Bonk <laughs> would do. <laughs> in the game Bonk 3, Bonk's Big Adventure. I've heard this track go by I multiple... I can think it's Pee Wee Herman. Why do you say that? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I can't, I've heard it go by different names. So in this particular case, I've heard it as in the, basically Big House or In the City. That is the track you're about to hear today. So let's give it a jam. Written and composed by Taro Hara and Kunio Komatsu. Welcome back. Have a seat, as you just got back from listening to In the City, a.k.a. Big House,
1: from the game Bonk 3, Bonk's Big Adventure. Ha! <laughs> Again, that's uh, Taro Hara and Kunio Komatsu. Now,
0: this game, how did, where did it begin? Well, back in the day, there was a big
1: period in time where there was a mascot war across all the consoles. There wasn't just a mascot war. There was, like, a series of caveman games. People wanted caveman games. I think
0: honestly, I, the thing is, I think he pioneered that. Even that you mentioned it, because there so? was a bunch of like Joe and Mac and
1: all. Yeah, but, but I think Bonk, oh, uh, uh, um, Adventure Island.
0: Yeah, Adventure Island. That Cave, was like caveman games. Well, the caveman games don't count. That's just some random game. <laughs> <laughs> caveman games rules, man. <laughs> well, like basically, Nintendo had Mario, Sega had Sonic. Turbo graphics had Bonk. Bonk was their guy
1: that flashed on all the packaging, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, actually, the, um, in Japan, the PC Engine, he was definitely their main guy because he in Japan, his name was PC Genjin. Oh, yes. see, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it was PC Genjin was his actual name.
0: So he was definitely the mascot, no question it yeah. there. And his power was an enormous head. And he used to brain everything and anything <laughs> with it. I, um, thought he, I thought he was cute, man.
1: That little dude with a big head, and he's got those cute little eyes.
0: Yeah, and then you give him a rack of rack of beef, and all of a sudden <laughs> it's like a grotesque mess. That's to be more specific. Than I mentioned it. He looks more like a caveman, like a traditional, like Stone Age caveman, when he eats meat because his changed like his chalk gets all grizzled. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, when he gets two pieces of meat, he gets a butthead. <laughs> it's, it's just very strange.
1: So, so what what was big in um what was the big thing in Bonk Three? The, the big change-up in Bonk's 3,
0: Bonk's big adventure, was the introduction of candy items, red candy and blue candy, which would allow Bonk to shrink and grow to solve various puzzles. Though what actually ended up happening was the large Bonk became a gimmick, and the shrunken Bonk was the one that actually solved puzzles with. So, But it was still cool to have, and I remember being really excited for this game when it came out. I got it for my 13th birthday along with Bomberman 93, and uh, I remember looking at all the advertisements, and I was looking forward to being in a level where you're in a crib, and it's a giant smiley face baby <laughs> that's crawling up to you, and he's taller than Bunk. And fun. I finally got to that point in the game, and he died in one bunk. I was very saddened by that. Um, <laughs> but it was just a really cool game. It was a long time awaited sequel for Bunk. Um, yeah, Bunk Bunk came out on other platforms too, right? Eventually, yeah, um, there was a Super Bonk on the SNES. I know that for a fact,
1: uh, and there was at least one Bonk game for the Game Boy. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, so Hudson was definitely making moves across other systems, but the the Turbo Graphics was it's like core place, and
0: they went nuts on that system. I mean, I think the majority of the games that were released on her came from Hudson or
1: Red. So yeah, I feel like um, I feel like this track in particular you can actually hear all these different kinds of sounds And even on the little chorus at the end where the kind of flute comes in. It's so interesting that That sound is being generated by the same hardware that's doing all these other kind of Like right here. It sounds this sounds like Super Nintendo to me So it's, it's a very clear Sound coming out of the same hardware. I think that's really cool This is a really good example of like what they're what they're able to do. There's no there's no percussion there's no samples. It's just just sounds really clean.
0: Well, this was probably during the period when they were trying to really dig deep and get into the system's guts and do what they could with it because at this point, Turbo's graphics I'm sorry, Super Nintendo and Genesis were out and Turbo graphics was kind of on a decline. So when they released Bong 3, it actually was one of the first games I could think of in history to get a dual release across two mediums and then we to have to play the CD version of it because it got released on the ter- Super CD and it got released on the hue card. Oh, okay. And I don't know if maybe if the listeners played them both, they can answer this question, but I I think they actually used the same music between the two except for maybe the Super CD had a bit more touch-ups. Hmm. But that also means that if they did that,
1: the hue card version would have to be as peak as it could possibly be so it's not a glaringly obvious difference between the two. Yeah, but you never know. You never know like with these like they'll put so much time into like making the game and then like they're like yeah music's fun It's true <laughs> so just put, remember the music from Bonk 2 just put that in there <laughs> we'll just call it Bonk 2 Dace <laughs> alright let's move on and we'll talk about more about the uh, the Hue card um, coming into our next track um, I'm gonna switch it up I'm going with the game Soldier Blade for TurboGrafx-16 this uh, is a track for Operation 4 by Keita Hoshi and Makiko Tanifuji this is Soldier Blade for the Tribble Graphics 16.
0: Fuji, Fuji, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get your time up, Fuji. Get your Fuji on, yeah. <laughs> get your
1: time tiny... well, up. I'm gonna hit stop now. <laughs> <laughs> piece of awesome is Soldier Blade for the TurboGrafx-16 by Keita Hoshi and Makiko Tanifuji Operation 4. This is an amazing song. I, I, it's every part of this thing. I just total rock.
0: I love this. It gets me really hyped up and ready to start popping some bogeys. <laughs> space bogeys. I'm sorry. because If I remember correctly this is a space shooter.
1: Yes. Yeah. There's a bunch of there's a lot of shooters um, for the for the TurboGrafx-16 and the Turbo Turbo CD. Um, which is awesome, because I love shooter soundtracks. <laughs> There's old vertical shooter and horizontal shooter soundtracks. And this is just, it's just so full of, like, adventure and just, just oh, oh, man. And when it goes up that extra octave right there, it's so good.
0: Oh, crap. I just realized something. You made that comment about shooters in the system. And when I first got here, oh, no, you, you may not-, not remember, but the only thing I can remember was Ordon. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ordine. And now I'm remembering a track for a game with a track that I should have picked for this episode. So, oh, that's right. We, we still need one more, so we're good. So, well, I haven't picked it. I already picked my third track. but... I know, but we always need that last track. Oh, that's a good point. So it may be from that. So there are a lot of good shooters in the system, as <laughs> Rob mentioned. And it's amazing how him triggering that, made that statement, it just triggered them all to come back. I'm remembering a bunch of them now yeah. Cybercore, mm-hmm. Arrow Blasters. Arrow Blasters, yeah. There's over there.
1: Oh, no. There's a bunch, actually, and a bunch of other um, arcade games and other Konami games reported. So yeah, so I Gradius two, um, R-Type, really? Yeah, I was right. R-Type was definitely on there, but I didn't know Gradius was. Yeah, well, Gradius two, Oh Gradius two specifically. Yeah, which never came out in the, uh, the states. Oh, uh-huh. so yeah. anyway, so about the um, the hue. Hugh- actually, first of all, I gotta say, doesn't this sound like Matoy Sakuraba, like Genesis? I can get a little bit of it out like of it. El- like a little Elviento. Yeah. So um, the hue card um, is a. Uh, hudson specific media so they they designed these these little 32 pin cards to hold the data for like some old system like old, old computer system that they created. I, I don't have that in front of me um but then they reused that same media added a few extra pins to it and they made it a little bit bigger so that when the game was running the um uh, the heat would disperse from the top because in the system you slid it inside of it yes and and so the top of it was open so that um it would it would uh the heat sink would be right there so so it would never overheat. So that, I thought that was really interesting. That it was, so it was H-U. It had, it had a much longer name, but H-U for, for Hudson. That I didn't
0: know either. All this time, I just figured, Hugh Carr, eh, they got their reasons. <laughs> never even put much thought into that. But it makes sense because, again, I've been, I may have mentioned even earlier in the show, but the I think the vast majority of the games in the system were either created by or published by Hudson.
1: Yeah, a big Hudson-first system.
0: So I guess Hudson was knee-deep in the actual development of the system, along with NEC, Yes. So it may sound to be more of a partnership.
1: Yeah, and one thing to also keep in mind, too, is you think about, like, the Nintendo carts, like, how big they are. Like, the cards inside are fairly small, like, especially for, like, the Famicom. in mm-hmm. the Super Famicom, too. But you think inside those carts, they added a ton of other stuff. Like, they added uh, extra sound processors for, like, um, you know, like, uh, Sunsoft. Mm-hmm. And even on the uh, Super Nintendo, they added additional memory and graphics processors, like the, the what they called it for the... Um, the VFX or the something super effects, super effects. Yeah, they added so like inside the cart, they were adding on more hardware. So, but the cards were big enough to do that. You think about the Hue card;
0: they had no. There, <laughs> there
1: was nothing else going on there.
0: Like there was really nothing they could do because the pins are pretty much predefined.
1: You can't yeah. really add more beyond that. So, so yeah. So they ended up with a lot of more other systems. So and we'll talk about more on the next episode because they get into more CD systems there. So, um, what's your last track, now Well.
0: The last track I got is from an uh, old favorite of mine, an old favorite that was hard for me to get a hold of in the back in the day, and yet I still have it. And it hits a theme of gameplay that I very rarely talk about on this show. That theme is bonk, 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 gutter ball, pinball. And the track is from the game Devil's Crush. It's yes. the main theme from the main table. I thought you said bonk, bonk, bonk.
1: <laughs> I did. Balls bouncing off of pin- bumpers. Oh, cool. So, did you see the name of the track? I forget.
0: Maybe.
1: (laughs) But it's Devil's Crush, right?
0: Devil's Crush, and the track title is just main theme. Oh, I got it. It just plays over the main table while you're you're bumping bowls. (laughs) We're going to leave it there. Back to the pinball game going really, really long because, quite <laughs> honestly, I I had labeled this the free bird of rhythm and pixels. Yeah, no doubt. it's all
1: like guitar solo. I really, this is I I, I would assume that this would have been a, um, a Western composer, but this is actually not. This is by Toshiaki Sakoda. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, really good. This is really, really cool
0: and the tracking question because I totally forgot to announce it coming back in the main
1: theme to the game Devil's Crush this is slick yeah this is like super like 90s like 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 everything it's all like everything I'm like keep talking over myself because everything about this game screams like 1990s like teenagers like heavy metal, like sketches. You know? Oh, you
0: looked at a couple of images of the tables, huh?
1: Yeah, it's all like, yeah, it's it's metal. This game is metal.
0: Like, one of the images, like, I think if I remember correctly, it's a three tiered t- um, pinball table. And one of the most iconic images from this game that people remember is, I believe it's on the very first level of the pinball table, it's a woman's face kind of encrouched, like, kind of, like, covered like kind of surrounded by like metal like a helmet. Yeah. But the more times the ball connects with the face, the more reptilian it becomes. So she's eventually a giant lizard monster that you eventually then smash, and then that becomes a bonus stage. <laughs> um, How metal is that, right? Very metal, this game. Uh, and there's, like, different bonus areas on the table that you can find by performing certain acts. And when you enter them, they are pretty much the equivalent of boss battles and something I never knew until I researched is because quite frankly I'm not this good at the game if you beat every bonus room each bonus room contribute being a boss room you unlock the end of the game and actually can beat Devil's Crush this game has an ending <laughs> I will
1: never see that ending
0: because this is not an easy
1: pinball game <laughs> at all I feel like um, there were a lot of pinball games right? or pin- pinball video games was like a thing in the 90s. Well, this did have a prequel called Aliens Crush, which is also a good game, but it's
0: no Devil's a Crush. pinball game has a prequel. Yes, <laughs> I love it. It's a. Uh, in fact, if I remember correctly, from the collector's market or just heck, I want to play freaking Devil's Crush perspective. Uh, Alien Crush was easy to find in the present day. For whatever reason, though, Devil's Crush was hard when I tried to back when I had to recover this game. It was not an easy find, and when you did find it, you had to pay to get it. Um, yeah. Or you, can you find it now, like on, on, like on the, uh, the 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 Wii? What's it called? Honestly, I've never checked, but it'd be doing everyone a favor if it did exist there. Because to me, and I think this may be a consensus on the gamerverse too. This is one of the most highly rated video pinball games out there.
1: Now there was a um, a, a version came out for the Genesis of this. Yes, this game. Ooh, I didn't see this. I did not so know. it was released um, or at least released simultaneously on a, on a 16-bit system.
0: Which means if you have access to this game on the Genesis, scoop
1: it up. Definitely. It's a great game. All right, let's get on to our last track. This is the sequel to um, Soldier Blade. This is Superstar Soldier... Blade. Blade. <laughs> no, it's <a> superstar Soldier. <laughs> um, and the track is called In the Super Battle. This is uh, BGM-1. And the uh, the composers, I only have one of the actual composer names. They're they're listed in the credits as Doctor Nakahashi and Mr. Hoshi. I love that. Who I can assume is Kaita Hoshi from Soldier Blade. So check it out. This is in the Super Battle from Superstar Soldier for the Turbo Graphics sixteen. Nope. <laughs> is the game (laughs) Superstar (laughs) Battle no the track is in the Super Battle from the game Superstar Soldier for the system TurboGrafx-16 and this sounds a lot like the last track so I have a feeling the, the composer K. T. Hoshi was probably the primary composer on this track again
0: well, let's be honest, though. We can't hate on that too much when the guy can produce such awesome sounds like these. That's
1: so good. Like, I love that galloping. Like da-dum, da-dum, da-dum,
0: da-dum, 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 da-dum. That's so good. All aboard, all atop the space horse for
1: a space journey yeah. of spatially epic proportions. Now, I'm actually, Space. I think I might actually have it wrong. I think Soldier Blade was the sequel to this game. It was like that. that, that I think Soldier Blade came out in '92. This is 1990. So, ah. I had him backwards. That sounds all right.
0: That's hey, great. at least you caught it before you were unable to record it, and therefore your mistake would be locked on forever in infamy in the digital internet version. I'm owning
1: up my mistakes. It's all right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is great. I, I love. The, um, there's like a second part that like kind of smooths out a little bit and then all of a sudden like these um, uh, uh, the arpeggios of the synth come kind of go back through I um, kind of want to get back to that, that part one more time
0: I just want to get back to and actually try this game at some point now because I
1: think this got a US release didn't it yes yes they both did and um, yeah they look awesome like the graphics are really cool um, and the music is This is some of the best these, these are some of the best soundtracks I listened to when doing some research for the, for this episode oh the super these two games yeah these two games I really enjoy these but they're probably because they both sound a lot like um... hold on here comes
0: I love this part oh you're looking for the tree Waiting for that part of the song yeah, yeah you were stalling
1: for time I was stalling for this part now flying through space here comes the here comes the arpeggio so this so good
0: then the space cyclops comes out with the space club he's going to eat your space soul
1: now I got the power Woo. space power <laughs> all right okay so um yeah this week we don't have a bonus round for you what no because <laughs> we got we gotta record things a little bit quicker so it's a little bit a little bit of a shorter episode it's basically
0: to put it in perspective is a lot of crazy busyness going on in our lives for the next week so it just made more sense to just produce shorter yet equally awesome episodes just to get us some content that you guys can listen to that we could enjoy giving out and the next time
1: yeah but hey let's give them one more track i'm in for that all right thank you for joining us today. This week on episode 6-1 of Rhythm and Pixels, our focus on the PC Engine or the TurboGrafx-16. One of my favorite systems out there, so I'm glad we could do that episode. So some things we didn't mention on the episode. The, the system only has one controller port, Which so is- you don't have any friends. <laughs> Actually... <laughs>
0: I certainly didn't because no, I uh, never went out and bought a, tur- a turbo tap or a duo tap. Yeah, so you had to have an adapter for that. Um, the controller only had what two buttons? Yep. Basically, it was aside from the turbo dips, it was pretty much identical to the NES controller and design. Um, it was a little bit larger, of course. So I'm not referring to like size and stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. referring solely to button count and functionality.
1: Yeah, there was a arcade perfect. Port of oh, okay, Perfect, but it was a very, very good port of Street Fighter II that came out for the CD. Yeah,
0: I do remember that. It and was that, one of the Swan Song games and they announced it in TZD. Yep,
1: and they released a six-button controller for that game. So that's pretty cool. Um, probably required that multi-tap thing. At that point, yeah, well, we need to play two-player anyway, but I'm guessing the controller would have worked fine. Yeah, probably. Um, anything else? Oh, there was a handheld system that used the exact same media as the um, the console system. Remember what that was called? Turbo Express. Turbo Express. It also took six batteries. Yeah. Wow. Six uh, A's or double A's, I mean? I think it was six double A's. That's insane. And um, it also had a, a, an adapter to, to watch TV on it, like on the Game Gear. <laughs>
0: so, TV tuner. Pretty insane. And I thought it was funny because when the Nintendo Switch came out, there's a group that I'm in that are basically composed of a lot of, a ton of old school people, game players. And people were trying to, you know, put the hipster card up and beat it to the punch by saying, this has so been done before. And they pointed out the Turbo Express. I'm like, no. The Turbo Express and Turbo Graphics relationship was nothing like the Switch at all. But just because it wasn't doesn't mean it wasn't friggin' awesome. Yeah. To have an access to playing your games on the go or at
1: home was oh, really it, nice. It's great. It's, it's, it's a very forward-thinking idea. Yes, it was. And also very expensive.
0: Also, which is why I didn't <laughs> own a Turbo Express because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't afford that thing. Um, so, I was happy enough to have the duo that I did have and the Turbo Graphics which I originally had. So it's such
1: wonderful stuff. I'm, I'm glad I could actually have this episode to get nostalgic with you. Yeah, I've been wanting to do it. I've been wanting to, to get into this music. But hey, we're going to get into some more Turbo Graphics music because next week, check us out. We're going into the Turbo Graphics CD or the PC Engine CD-ROM-ROM. ROM-ROM. <laughs> <laughs> rom-rom. You'll have to
0: explain that on the next
1: episode, yeah, too. We'll, we'll get into that. But um, for now, hey, if you want to um, contact us, let us know what you're thinking. Hey, if you have any questions for us, we'd love, we'd love to hear hear from you. Send us an email. Rhythmandpixels.hotmail.com And for a full track listing and more information about the show, please check out the website. Rhythmandpixels.com You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or, or YouTube at Rhythm and Pixels. Um, hey, and if you're feeling generous, check us out on Patreon, patreoncom Um, You know, we do this—we just do this for fun. But hey, if you're feeling generous, check out that web page. And one more thing: don't forget, if you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Pod Blaster or wherever wherever you're getting your podcast from. Um, it helps us out, and it helps other people find the show, and it all goes towards other people finding this great music.
0: And that's what's up and also just I gotta say this on the episode because I'm excited about it for those who know what Pokemon is I just got a shiny Pharaoh seed and I am very happy about that it took me two <laughs> weeks to get it um I am glad um <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off alright so but um god this was a good episode I'm sorry I really, got my Pharaoh really cool. seed we're talking TurboGrafx-16 yeah I'm looking forward to the next one
1: and let's
0: get down to it alright
1: ready yeah so Thanks, for, thanks again for listening. We are the Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. I'm Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. And remember, I'm not
0: going to get political on this thing. No, That's not what we do. will do. But what we will do, all I'm going to say is this. There's a lot of turbulence going on out there right now. I say display love to everyone you care about, big or small regardless where because the world needs more love right now and the more love you can put out there the more positivity can come from that and that's all there is to it so there it is